Well, good morning. How is everyone this morning? Doing well. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and I just want to make something very clear up front. I have no intention of singing like Roselle or Kyle this morning. Uh, they kind of set the bar high and uh, uh, pretty impressive. Man, I'm just so glad that you're here with us. I want to welcome you to Element Church. And I want to welcome you to week three in our final week of our series, Christmas Perspectives, taking a look at the birth of Jesus in a new way. For many of us, uh, Christmas and the Christmas story is something that we've seen, we've read, we've heard hundreds, dozens of times, and it sort of becomes normal. And this year we're taking a look at the Christmas story through a new set of eyes each week. You know, Christmas is quickly approaching. It's really, really close. I hope you have all your Christmas shopping done. If you don't, you're quickly running out of time. Uh, I, I got to be honest, this is my favorite season and especially my favorite holiday of the year. Um, some of you will know this about me. I am a huge cheapskate, 364 days a year, um, like a real penny pincher beyond what's reasonable or necessary most of the time. And I don't know why, but for some reason at Christmas time, um, I have a problem spending too much money to the point where my wife, who is the spender in our family, has to say, you have to stop. You have to chill out. Um, I get so excited uh, about this, this season for, for a lot of reasons. And, and of course, there is the great joy of, of spending and giving gifts. But as Roselle, um, you know, really hammered home for us, uh, the reason that this season is so great and that we celebrate is we celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given, the greatest gift that the world has ever known, when God gave of himself to send his son for you and I. And sort of our key theme verse for this series for the last several weeks has been John 3.16, one that many of you know and might even have memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave. We give at the Christmas season as a reflection of our God who at the first Christmas gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, in the midst of all the positive of this verse, which is something that we usually focus on and that usually draws our attention, there's also a bit of pain. A bit of pain as some reality sets in that life and this world is not all that it should be. That without Jesus, without faith, without belief, the reality sets in of our hopelessness without God. Our hopelessness on our own. That without Jesus and belief in him, there's eternal perishing. And the reality is that at the heart of the Christmas season is this idea of excitement mixed in with a little bit of pain. Christmas is the season we celebrate because it's, it's the advent of a new age. Christmas is that moment that God steps into flesh and into our world to put a name and a face to his rescue plan for all of humanity and for all of creation. All of creation that, as Paul says in Romans 8, uh, groans in the pains of childbirth. I want to look at that passage for just a second. Out of Romans chapter 8, and we'll be in verse 19. 
And if you want, you can follow along. As always, we have our scripture passages on the screen. But I also encourage you to pull out your phone, open up the Bible app, go to the events tab, and you can follow along with us when you click on Element Church as we look at these passages of scripture today. The advantage of having the Bible app open is that you can make notes as we go along today. You can save things so that you can look at them and think about them and talk about them with your spouse or a friend or family member later on. So we look at this passage from Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 19. Paul says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, here it is, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The mixed emotions that come with Christmas originate in the fact that this world is not all as it should be. That something has gone terribly wrong. And in the greater context of the entire letter of Romans, as well as all of the Bible, we learn that what went wrong was sin. That sin entered into this world and fractured our lives, our relationship with our Creator, and all of creation. That all of us are guilty of cosmic treason against the King and Creator of the universe. And so we learn that the fracturing of this world, or as Paul put it in this passage, the the bondage to corruption or this subjection to futility is because of that sin. And how appropriate is it for this season that as we reflect on the good and the bad, that, that, that there's excitement and hope, yet also pain mixed in, as we think about that and the state of our world, how appropriate is it for this season that Paul likens that to the pains of childbirth? So what I want us to do is I want us to read a part of the Christmas story this morning out of Luke chapter 1. And so I'm going to begin in verse 26 as we pick up the story and the announcement of the, of the Christmas story. The announcement of the coming of Jesus. The announcement of God stepping into this broken world to bring about redemption. And we'll begin in Luke chapter 1 starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary rose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And here's Mary's response. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown his strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abram, and to his offspring forever. If we're honest, the holidays bring about a a, a mixture of emotions. Just like we talked about the original Christmas story. That that excitement and that hope mixed in with a little pain. For you, that pain may be the pain that this Christmas is not going to be how you had planned or envisioned it. It may be that someone who was supposed to be here this Christmas no longer is. For you, it may be that mixture of excitement, making new, exciting memories today mixed with painful memories of Christmases of past. But this idea of having a mixed bag of emotions at Christmas time is not new. Mary, no doubt, had a mixture of emotions. A mixture of emotions as the angel came to announce the birth of Jesus. A mixture of emotions as she began to tell people and share her story and to see their different responses. And I'm sure a mixture of emotions as she prepared to have her baby. Mary, no doubt, had surprise, joy, worry, trouble, and no doubt, I'm sure, as a brand new mother, had plenty of fears.
Sometimes we get so used to reading and hearing and seeing the Christmas story from our perspective, uh, from our point of view, on this side of the birth, on this side of the cross. And sometimes we miss the angst that, as we saw in week one, the shepherds would have experienced of trying to understand why God would show up to them and want to tell them something. The, the pain of understanding that the birth of Jesus uh, represents a real threat to our lives and, and the authority we want to have in our own lives, as we saw with King Herod last week, and, and the angst of what to expect in the midst of a complete life change like Mary. Mary experienced a lot of mixed emotions, I'm sure. I want to look at a few instances and how Mary responded to this news. And the first one, we've already read all of these before, comes from verses 28 and 29. And he, Gabriel the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary was greatly troubled at the appearance of the angel and his greeting. Because she didn't fit the mold of what she expected of someone who was going to be used by God in a special way. After telling Mary that she was going to have a baby, Mary responded exactly like I'm sure just about anyone would who had been in her situation. And Mary said to the angel, verse 34, How will this be since I'm a virgin? In the midst of this announcement, Mary couldn't understand the why or the how. She couldn't understand the how because she knew how babies were made and she was a virgin. She couldn't understand the why because she didn't fit the profile of what she expected someone to look like or be like that God would choose to use in a mighty way. But despite not understanding the how and the why, despite being filled with mixed emotions of, I'm sure, excitement and fear, I want to look at how Mary responds to the news. Verse 37 and 8. The angel finishes after declaring not only is Mary going to have a baby as a virgin, but her relative Elizabeth, who has never been able to have babies, and now beyond the age of expected uh, childbearing, is going to have a baby. Gabriel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And here's how Mary responds. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be. Let it be exactly how you say it's going and supposed to be. And look at how Elizabeth responds as she sees and interacts and talks with Mary at their first visit. And she says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. I want to look, focus on verse 45. And blessed is she who believed. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary was scared. I'm sure as a new mother, as many of you can attest, she was full of excitement, hope, joy, worry, questions, doubts, 
and I'm sure fear. Mary did not have all the answers to the questions that I'm positive were running through her mind. Mary couldn't understand everything. But Mary responded in faith. Christmas is a season that presents an invitation to you and I to respond to God in faith and in belief. Even in the midst of uncertainty. Even in the midst of not having all the answers. Even in the midst of when combined with excitement, there's a bit of pain in the season. Even when our hope for the future is mixed with doubt and questions and worry and fear, Christmas is an invitation to believe. To believe that God loves you enough that he would step off his throne in heaven to come to this earth to serve, to seek and to save the lost, to give his life as a ransom for many, to shed his blood on the cross for you and I. It's an invitation to believe that even when things don't feel like they're all as they should be, as Paul stated, even when we know that we as people and all of creation is groaning like we're in the pains of childbirth, waiting for this to be over so that we can experience the joy and the excitement of what is to come. Christmas is a reminder that even in those moments and in those seasons, there's an invitation to believe. This Christmas season, God wants to extend that invitation to you. Even when things don't go as expected, will you open your mind, will you open your heart, will you open your hands, will you open your life and believe? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you and to experience your grace and your presence in our lives. Would you move in our hearts and our lives in this moment at this time? As we think and we respond to who you are and the ways in which you speak and move in our lives. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for a little bit. Every Sunday, we provide an opportunity after the message for you to respond. To respond to the ways in which God is speaking to you, the ways in which that he is encouraging you or challenging you in your heart and your mind. And as we respond this morning, what I would like to do is I want to read you the words of a song that we're about to sing. This is a new song that speaks to this very idea of that even when things are difficult and lonely and painful, that Christmas is an invitation to believe and to be reminded of how much God loves us. Let me read these words for you. All is calm, all is bright, everywhere but in your heart tonight. They're singing carols of joy and peace, but you feel too far gone and too far out of reach. Somewhere in your silent night, heaven hears the song your broken heart has cried. Hope is here, just lift your head, for love has come to find you somewhere in your silent night. From heaven's height to manger low, there is no distance the Prince of Peace won't go. 
from manger low to Calvary's hill. When your pain runs deep, his love runs deeper still. He has always loved you, child, and he always will. Lift your head, lift your heart. Emmanuel will meet you where you are. He knows your hurt. He knows your name. And you're the very reason that he came. Mary experienced a lot of mixed emotions. And as we transition into a time of response, not only do I want to read you the words of the song that Kyle's about to lead us in, I want to read you the words of the song that Mary sings. The words that well up in our heart. In the midst of uncertainty and joy, this is the song that Mary sings. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Mary, without knowing all the answers to her questions, responded in celebration and in worship. And our invitation for you this morning is that you would do the same. Not having all the answers to the questions you may have in life. Mixed with all the joy and the sorrow that we experience in this world. Christmas is an invitation to believe and to worship. To recognize that God loves us. That Christmas is that symbol of his love for you and I. And that we would respond to him and his love for us. Lord Jesus, would you be honored by the way in which we respond and the way in which we worship you in this moment, in this place.